We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome inside another edition of a Pack a Day Podcast. My name is Nick Schmitz, and this is the second podcast in a row that I have done where I'm flying solo. Jacob Westendorf, who is my co-host, cannot be here today. And it's been a while since he's been with me, uh, but life has come up for him. Two weeks ago when he was supposed to be on with me, he got a last-minute job promotion, which is awesome, so he was unable to join you guys then. And over the weekend, Jacob got married, and he is enjoying the perks of married life now. He's taking a little time away with uh, him and his brand-new wife, so congratulations to Jacob there. We are both hoping that he will be able to be back and join us in two weeks after the Packers bye week and just after the Packers take on the St. Louis, take on the Los Angeles Rams. After they take on the Los Angeles Rams out in LA, that'll be a very exciting time. Hopefully the Packers will come away with the W's. So we are now just over 24 hours removed from Packers 49ers. Packers heading into the bye week with a record of 3-2-1. and one. Not awful, but probably not where we would all like to be. It's probably hoping for 4-2, and two, maybe 5-1. and one. And we're also dealing with the fact that Aaron Rodgers needed to have heroic 
come back against the now 1-5 San Francisco 49ers at home on Monday night. So it's a fair question to ask, right? We got a week off. We got some time to step away from the football field and get healthy, which is always good. But the question is, where do the Green Bay Packers stand right now going into the bye week? Where are they in the NFL? Well, I would argue that it's it's not good. It's It is not a good time in Green Bay because I can easily make an argument for the Packers being 1-5 right now. You go back to week one, if Aaron Rodgers isn't unhumanly good, you lose to the Bears at home. That's 0-1, right? And then we go to week two and the Viking game, and I know everyone says, you know, that the NFL came out and said that, you know, that roughing the passer on Clay Matthews shouldn't have been a penalty. Reality is it was a penalty, and if the Vikings had a competent kicker at all, we would have lost that game in overtime. That's 0-2. And then you go to Washington, and while that was a loss, we didn't play well, so that's 0-3. Then you come home and play the Bills, and you won that game, and that so that's a win. So you're now at 1-3, and three, and then you go to the Lions game from last weekend, and you lose that, and you're 1-4. and four. And once again, if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers' heroics last night, they would have lost again at home to the 49ers, and the Packers could much easier be staring 1-5 and five in the face than the arguments for four and two or even five and one. You can make the arguments both ways. I'm just saying that the argument for one and five is a more realistic argument than is a more realistic argument than anything else. And I want to share a piece of audio with you, and I know many Packer fans out there do not like him. I am probably one of the few that actually does like him. I, Colin Cowherd had some interesting things to say Tuesday on his show after the Packer game. And like I said, I know not many people, not many Packer fans like Colin Cowherd, but I think it's a very fair point that he's making. So take a listen to what he had to say. Most of you think we have three elite Super Bowl teams, New England and Kansas City, and then Green Bay last night. And uh, we only have two, New England and Kansas City. Uh, Green Bay is not a Super Bowl team. There is a big difference for New England at home being tied with healthy Kansas City, undefeated Kansas City, several stars Kansas City, no rebuilding Kansas City, headed to the Super Bowl Kansas City. And there's a big difference between the Packers being tied late with rebuilding C.J. Beathard, a bunch of C-minus running backs, and playing for next year San Francisco. Green Bay is not a Super Bowl team. The Green Bay Packers offense has become, hey, Aaron Rodgers, save us. The Green Bay Packers offense has become, hey, Aaron, we're trailing in the fourth. Can you make some of those really cool back shoulder throws? It's not clever. Aaron is. It's not creative. Aaron is. It's not intuitive. Aaron is. Listen to this stat. In the last three years, this is with Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay in the first three quarters of games is minus 91 with Aaron Rodgers. In the fourth quarter, they're plus 105. That tells you that Aaron Rodgers is a life preserver for a mostly marginal coaching staff and marginal roster. 
They out-schemed Green Bay all night. Do you realize on the road with C.J. Beathard, the 49ers averaged almost a yard more per pass than Aaron Rodgers at home with veteran coach Mike McCarthy? I mean, you can't argue with that. Those are those are numbers. Those are statistics. Through three quarters, minus, what, 96? And then the fourth quarter, you know, they come alive and things start looking really good. Guys, I'm going to be honest. This is my honest opinion, and I know not everyone shares this opinion. This team is not very good. This reminds me a lot of, what was it, 99 with Ray Rhodes, where you could tell that there was talent. You could tell that they had certain things going, but they just never put anything together. That's what this feels like. And, you know, I know a lot of this... You know, they're dealing with injuries, right? They got Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham, and then rookie wide receivers. And I I, I understand that. But literally, think about this. Green Bay last night trailed the entire second half until they won the game to the 1-4 49ers at home. The entire second half, they did not have the lead. They didn't have the lead midway through the second quarter. They trailed almost the entire game. They led when they got up 17 to 7. And then about midway through the second quarter, three quarters of the way through the second quarter, they trailed and they didn't take the lead again until they won the game. This is 1-4 San Francisco with a backup quarterback, banged up running backs. And this is what you're looking at for the Packers. I mean, this is very unacceptable. And I'm going to be honest. I'm saying it right now. When we come to the end of Week 16, or Week 17, Green Bay Packers won't be in the playoffs. And I'm telling you, the way I feel right now, their last two games against... Detroit and Chicago will be meaningless. It it won't be like in 2011 when they won the Super Bowl, 2010-2011 when they won the Super Bowl, that, you know, oh, you got the last two games, and if you win those games, you get in. No, I'm telling you right now, my belief is Green Bay, they're going to get to the end of the season, and those two games aren't going to matter. They are going to be eliminated from the playoffs by the time they reach those last two games. And and now I, I, I will say this as well. I hope that's not the case. I'm going to be rooting for them every week. I want them to win. I want them to make the playoffs. I want to see them do well. But from what I have seen, they're not making the playoffs. And they're not even going to be contending for the playoffs at the end of the year. They are not playing well. They are still averaging just over two touchdowns a game. How is that possible with Aaron Rodgers? That's not good. You can't beat teams by kicking field goals. They did it last night. Sure. But again, the Packers' offense can't get in the end zone. And last time I checked, you have to score more points than your opponent in order to win. They can't get in the end zone. And the defense is mystifyingly inconsistent once again yesterday I thought they did they weren't going to show up 
They gave up 24 points in the first half, and then they only gave up six in the second half. I don't know what to make of the defense. Sometimes they're spot on, and they're absolutely fantastic, and you want to just give them a great big hug, and other times you shake your head. Their safeties are atrocious. Kentrell Bryce is awful. And, and I don't necessarily care what his grades say. What I care about is, does a safety realize what he's going up against? That long touchdown he gave up in the second quarter, that, that's inexcusable. And that's not the only time it's happened to him this year. Their safeties are a mess. They can't stay healthy. A cornerback that they signed two weeks ago, two three weeks ago to replace Devon House hasn't played because... Shocker, another Packer player has a hamstring injury, and if you haven't noticed that with the Packers, that seems to be a very common injury in Green Bay, and I don't know why that is. But they can't stay healthy. They're not consistent. And think about it like this. If they played the Los Angeles Rams the other night, do you really think that in the fourth quarter with three minutes to go with how they played that Aaron Rodgers, if he had the ball, would be going down the field to tie the game? No, they'd probably be down by 17 points. Again, I want him to do well. I'm rooting for him. But we got to be honest right now. This is not a good team. And do they have the ability and the talent to overcome what they've gone through? Absolutely. They can absolutely right this ship. It, it is 100% a possibility. But what I'm telling you is, from what I have seen right now, I mean, how many of you were watching the game the other night and you were sitting there through the fourth quarter just mystified at how Green Bay was losing to the 1-5 and five San Francisco 49ers? And how many of you truly thought that after they didn't get into the end zone with about nine minutes left when they turned the ball over on downs on that incomplete pass in the end zone to Valdez Scantling. How many of you sat there and thought this game's over? They're they're not they're not gonna be able to stop the 49ers and they can't get into the end zone. I'm sure there were a lot of you thinking that because I, I thought the same thing. And and this is the other thing. They won by three points on a last second field goal and they were plus three in the turnover margin. They were plus three in the turnover margin and almost lost. How do you do that? That is signs of a team that is not playing well. They're not making plays. And I think a lot of it is on Mike McCarthy. I truly think a lot of the and, and now there's plenty of blame to go around for everyone. Okay, I'm not putting this solely on Mike McCarthy, but part of coaching is being able to get all 53 guys on your roster to be able to come out and play all 60 minutes. And guess what? The defense, they didn't show up for the first 30 minutes yesterday, even though they got a fumble recovery and the special teams got a turnover. They gave up 24 points. Right, And then they they showed up in the second half and they played well. And that's part of the reason why they won. But you're, you're not going to be able to do things like this against the Los Angeles Rams and the New England Patriots and not even the Miami Dolphins, Seattle Seahawks, or Minnesota Vikings. That's their next five games. After the bye week, they go to L.A., which if they don't play any better, they're going to lose. And then they go Sunday night, 
and play in Foxborough and play the New England Patriots. And right now, I don't see them winning that game either unless they turn things around in a hurry. And then after that, then they get to come home and play a home game, which is nice, but it's the Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins, you know, everyone says, oh, they're not that great. Well, but here's the here's the real deal. Everyone said San Francisco wasn't very great. And guess what? San Francisco almost beat us in our house. And then after that, then they get a short week and go to Seattle and play on Thursday night. And then they go on the road and play the Vikings in Minneapolis. Four of their next five games are on the road. And none of the teams that they are playing in their next five matchups have losing records. The only one that doesn't technically have a winning record is Seattle. They're 3-3. Three and three. We don't play a team with a losing record in the next five weeks, and four of those five games are on the road. Guys, this is going to be a long stretch. And my co-host, Jacob Wessendorf, I, I, I talked to him today. He is feeling positive. He is picking the Packers to beat the Rams in two weeks. And, man, I hope so. I'm rooting for it. But here's the reality. We can be rah-rah fans and really be supportive of the Packers and also be honest and realize that this team is just not that great right now. That if we have to play, if we had to play the Rams this weekend without a bye, I'd say we lose. And who knows, maybe some of it is due to Aaron Rodgers and his lack of mobility. But I think a lot of this is on coaching. I am not a fan of Mike McCarthy. I haven't been for a while and I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he is not innovative. And and I, I know, I saw on Twitter, people said, well, you know, his first drive was com- was completely innovative. And I will give him credit. That touchdown pass that they threw to Ty Montgomery, yeah, that was innovative. That was creative. And then we didn't see it for the rest of the game. You can't just run it once and say, well, we ran innovation during the game and, and call it good. That's That's not how it works. So if I'm I'm giving you my honest opinion, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to give you my take on the Packers, what I see. And I see a team that is struggling to beat bad teams at home, right? Aaron Rodgers, as great as he is, cannot do this every game for you, right? And they they their biggest issue, in my opinion, is they need to come together as a team and play 60 minutes of football with everyone playing together. And they, they, they can't do that. They're not putting that together, right? So I, I, I like what I saw from Equinemius St. Brown. He only had one catch last night, but it was a pretty big, it was a, it was a massive catch, 19 yards. And it was, you know, go back and look at it. Degree of difficulty was very, very high. And he made a great play. They've got a lot of young talent. And I think next year they'll be better. But I just don't see this team making the playoffs this year. And I don't see them being competitive. Now, let me give you the flip side. I was thinking about this earlier today. This is the flip side to the argument. All right, so you're sitting 3-2-1, and one, Right? You got to buy, and hopefully they get some things figured out. All right, next five games, we already ran through it. At L.A., at New England, come home to play the Dolphins, short week to go play Seattle in Seattle, and then you get 10 days off, but then you got to go to Minneapolis to play the Vikings. Next five games, very tough. You're sitting at 3-2-1. and one. Now, if we assume that the Miami Dolphins 
being at home, if they get some things figured out, if they're healthy, right, we can win that game. That's a home game. You win at home. You win at Lambeau. The Dolphins are kind of up and down. We don't really know where they're at. So let's just assume we get some things figured out, win that game. All right, so that's one win, right? And now Seattle is the other team on that five-game stretch that is beatable, right? Where you look at it and you say, yeah, they're three and three, and yeah, it's a short week, and yeah, it's on the road, but, you know, that's a doable win right there, right? So we'll take that and, and we'll look at that, and let's say we win that game, right? Those are the two of the five games. Those are the two games that we would feel the most confident about winning, right? Okay, so if you win those two games, right, without having outcomes for the other three yet, you would be sitting at five, two, and one. Okay, now that means between the Vikings, the Rams, and the Patriots, if you can win just one of those games, and and you lose the other two, right? And now, obviously, you would like of those three games to beat the Vikings because that's a division opponent, right? And then if you can't beat the Vikings and you'd like the Rams just because they're an NFC powerhouse and could help with, you know, potential playoff standings. And then the Patriots last because it's an AFC game, and as important as it is, it doesn't impact it as much other than the, the fact that you get a win, right? But if you can win one of those three games, and say you lose the other two, right, and pick any one you want, right? Like I said, pick any one you want, and then lose the other two. After that five-game stretch, you'd be sitting at 6-4-1, and one, right, which isn't great, but you'd be in the midst of the playoff hunt. Okay, so that means you got to take care of business at home against the Dolphins, and you know you got to beat Seattle, which is probably the most, which is the second most beatable team in that schedule. Which means you got to win one of three tough games to be sitting in a good spot. And all three of those games that we're talking about—Vikings, Rams, Patriots—all on the road, right? If you can win one of those three and then do the other two, beat Seattle and beat Miami. Six, four, and one, you're sitting pretty good as far as a playoff run. And the schedule, and that is the meat of Green Bay's schedule. The next five weeks, toughest part of the entire schedule for Green Bay. Okay, it is the toughest part of the schedule for Green Bay over the next five weeks. If they can get through the next five weeks going three and two, if you can go three and two over the next five weeks, yeah, I would say you got a chance to make the playoffs. But they got to figure things out over the bye week, they got to get healthy. You know, I'm hoping that having Cobb and Allison back after the bye week, hopefully they can come back. Hopefully that'll help the offense too. I think St. Brown and Valdez-Scantling, I think they're going to be really good. Valdez-Scantling played really well Monday night. But I think this team is a year away. And unfortunately, I think this team is just not ready this year. They're too inconsistent and, again... Just my personal opinion. Take it for what it is. You can disagree with me. I think it's time to move on from Mike McCarthy at the end of the year. I put it on Twitter. I know not everyone agrees with that sentiment. That's fine. But I think the offense has grown stagnant. There's no innovation. There's no creativity. And when you look around the league at what's being successful, you look at what the Rams are doing. They're innovative. You look at what the Chiefs are doing. They're innovative, and here's here's my biggest problem: is it, it's not like it's not that Mike McCarthy can't be innovative. It's just I think he chooses not to be, because Andy Reid is a perfect example. Andy Reid is been in coaching forever, 
right? And what they're doing in Kansas City is definitely not what he was doing umpteen years ago in Philadelphia, right? He's adapted. He's figured out, I've got a talented player here in Patrick Mahomes. Let's put the ball in his hands. Let's make, let's be creative. And it works. So it's not that Mike McCarthy, I don't necessarily think it's an issue of him personally. I think it's his stubbornness. Again, we we talk about this. Aaron Jones, MIA again. He was once again the best running back on the team Monday night. He had a 5.1 yard average running. And yet, after the first two drives, he disappeared and was never seen from again. And I think I think I saw it that he played a grand total of oh, it's like 19% of the snaps. 19% of the Packers offensive snaps. And he's the best running back on the team. And 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 you all know it. Everyone's everyone's clamoring for it. Even Aaron Rodgers is clam, clamoring for it. And Mike McCarthy won't put him on the field. And I think that's just stubbornness on Mike McCarthy's part. I think Mike McCarthy knows how good Aaron Jones is. I think he realizes it. I don't think he's that stupid. I think he's just that stubborn. So, once again, here's what Green Bay's got to do. They got to figure out things during the bye week, right? They got they got two weeks off. Aaron Rodgers gets an extra weekend to get healthy, and then it's the Rams. And I mean, and you're putting yourself right in the midst of the NFC. You are going up against the juggernaut of the NFC. The L.A. Rams right now are probably the favorite to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Can you beat them? Can you figure things out? Can you, you know, and obviously some of it you got to get healthy, but can you put together a complete game and beat them on the road? I don't think they can. I, I'm i going to continue rooting for them because I want them to. But again, Green Bay's got a lot of work to do. And... As great as Aaron Rodgers is, I don't think the sun is shining as brightly as people might have you believe in Green Bay. So, I know Downer Podcast once again. Yeah, what's what's up with this Nick Schmitz guy? He kind of sucks. He's kind of a Debbie Downer. I'm just giving you my realistic perspective of how I look at the team right now. I don't think it's as great as everyone else thinks it is. But, nonetheless... I'm still pulling for him. I want him to do well. I'm rooting for him every week just like you guys are. And I need to do one thing right now. This is me and Jacob. Now, I did not talk to Jacob about this, but I know him well enough through his Twitter account to know that he would approve of this message because both of us were in the same boat. Our deepest and sincerest apologies to Mason Crosby. Uh, Both of us wanted him cut after the Lions game, and uh, I apologize. I didn't do so on Twitter, but I kind of reverted my thoughts after the game a little bit. But both of us, our deepest apologies to Mason Crosby. He is back. He looks great. A little bit of emotional reaction from that game, but he's back. We're glad he's kicking well. So our deepest apologies there. So that is all the time we have for today, guys. Make sure to check us out on Facebook. We're trying to get that kind of up and going as much as Twitter. Make sure to check us out on Twitter as well. Like, follow, subscribe. Make sure you check out the podcast again tomorrow. And uh, just kind of some food for thought. I want to throw this out here. Maybe I'll put this up on my Twitter. I heard this on the Dan Patrick show the other day, so I'm stealing this from them. Just a really interesting thought. Think about this. 
when you talk Green Bay Packers, who is the face of the Green Bay Packers? Lombardi? Favre? Star? Rodgers? Someone else? Just an interesting question. I think I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer. I've got my opinion. But just an interesting question that was brought up. I thought it would be fun. So I'm going to throw that up on my Twitter. So make sure you go and check out that uh, that poll and, and uh, let me know what you guys think is the face of the Packers. Not right now, all time. Like, like when you say Green Bay Packers, right? Right now it's really easy to say Aaron Rodgers because he's on the team. But, I mean, when you really think Green Bay Packers, who comes to mind? So that's all the time I have for you today, guys. Make sure you check out the podcast again tomorrow. And as always, go Pack Go. Third and six, trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Yes! Adams! Left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers! 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers at extra point. Away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking. Hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline. And intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the challenge, and Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6-5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side. Devontae's got it, out of bounds, inside the 10-yard line. Oh my goodness, what a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is, placement made, kick is up. It is good! It is good! Mason Crosby delivers the dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. 
Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart.